Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Some new numbers may tell us what we can consider normal when it comes to weather in the Texas Panhandle. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. It is peanut planting time in Texas, and estimates indicate that acreage will be down slightly this year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Moisture conditions have improved significantly in some portions of the coastal bend. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets coming up. Fertilizer prices are through the roof this year, but be careful when looking for something cheaper. Jessica Domel explains. The rising cost of fertilizers this year has some Texas farmers and ranchers looking for cheaper alternatives. Before you buy, Dr. Vanessa Courier Olson, a forage specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says be wary of products that sound too good to be true. One, find out what is the product actually made of? What are the actual ingredients? Does it actually have nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium? Or is it a lot of water? Or what is actually in that product that they're trying to sell you? She encourages farmers and ranchers to reach out to their county extension agent for aid when considering an alternative fertilizer. She also recommends doing tests on your soil before making any decisions. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. With corn and sorghum prices reaching eight-year highs this spring, how will that affect cotton acreage in Texas? Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin in Hansford County says it will cut into cotton acreage in the northeast panhandle, but they should still have a decent-sized crop. Oh, I think most farmers have made up their mind, and I don't know the numbers, but just a casual observation, they're driving through the country a little bit. I'm sure seeing more wheat under pivots being watered for wheat. So there's not going to be as many acres, I don't think, as last year, but still plenty of acres to have a plenty good gin run for the gins up here. Should we plant it and should it make harvest, (laughs) which has kind of been the problem the last two years. Key says it all hinges on the amount of moisture farmers can get this spring. Most all of Texas has gotten at least some rainfall over the past week. Texas weather can vary quite a bit depending on where you're at in our huge state. But there are some new numbers that may help determine what normal weather is in the Texas panhandle. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Every 10 years, the National Weather Service does an updated analysis of weather data from around the country. Analysis that looks at what has occurred over the most recent 30-year period. It's how the Weather Service arrives at defining what's normal 
like when we talk about our rainfall being so many inches above or below normal. So how are things looking for our area? Michael Gittinger with the National Weather Service's Amarillo office says, For Amarillo, the just-completed once-a-decade update shows our average temperature year-round has gone up by nearly 2 degrees from where it was in 2010. The average annual temperature was 57 and the annual average temperature in 2020, when we ran it, was 58.7. So that's that 1.7 degree increase. And for our annual precipitation, the average has fallen. It was 20.2 inches from the 2010 analysis that was done, and in 2020, 19.7. So it's about a half an inch. So we're getting warmer and drier, right? Perhaps a bit of a caveat with all of this. Gittinger says what the new normal suggests about our temperature trend is consistent with the tendency toward warming occurring around the country. But getting a fix on rainfall trends can be a little trickier. Gittinger pointing out that this latest update was influenced by years where the local experience was pretty extreme on either side of the equation. Like Amarillo's historically dry 7-inch precipitation total for 2011 and the very wet 34-inch total for Amarillo in 2015. However we judge the figures, we will be referencing these new numbers when we talk about our daily weather. Now what's the outlook for getting out of this drought? That's tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas peanut farmers are expected to plant fewer acres this year. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the numbers. Today we go to Shelly Nutt. She is executive director of the Texas Peanut Producers Board. And Shelly, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to be on with you. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service, Shelly, says that Texas farmers are expected to plant 170,000 acres uh, of peanuts in 2021. Now that's down about 11% or 20,000 acres from last year. What's the reason behind uh, the drop? Tom, we started out the spring so dry, and then we also had such a dry 2020. That I think farmers were just really concerned that there wouldn't be enough moisture uh, to put the peanut seed in the ground. And then even if we did have a little bit of moisture with their water wells hauled up through the entire growing season. So there was just some real concerns with water limitations. But then we also saw some competing crops that had some decent prices. So when they started penciling and cotton is doing well, other commodities look good on paper. They were pulling away from a higher input crop like peanuts going with a less input crop, such as cotton, but we've had some rains. So I think we're going to see farmers a little more optimistic, but I'm also not sure that I agree with those mass numbers that we're going to be down 11%. If it rains and continues to rain, and if there's seed availability, and if the prices for peanuts continue to hold, which I'm fairly certain it will, we may see 180,000 acres. Remains to be seen. Now, the month of May is generally the month for planting peanuts across Texas. There are challenges for farmers. Of course, uh, various uh, regions still have uh, drought and abnormally dry conditions. But at the same time, they've had some rain, as you mentioned, uh, to help them along. I talked to several of my board members recently in uh, West Texas. I had a grower in Yoakum County who had not seen a drop of rain in 13 months. He got some rain over on his farms in Plains. 
So that was awesome. West Texas is dry. It would take a lot of rainfall to get West Texas back up to where it needs to be. One of my growers in Gaines County, which is far West Texas, had almost two inches of rain the past couple of weeks. Maybe that seal is broken and we're going to start seeing some more rainfall. And if that's the case, as long as there's seed available and it'll rain, my peanut farmers like to grow peanuts and they'll grow them. They've built their acreage into a rotation plan So they don't want to not grow it. They like what peanut does to their soil. It fits their rotation. That is Shelly Nutt, Executive Director of the Texas Peanut Producers Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Much of Texas has gotten rain over the last week, and that's especially true in the coastal bend. Harvey Buring has more from Corpus Christi. Well, attitudes among the farmers and ranchers have improved greatly during uh, this past week. Uh, rainfall event, first and best in more than seven months, occurred here over May 1st and 2nd. And uh, many locations in the coastal bend received some significant rainfall. Those locations primarily along the coastline received the largest amounts, and areas north of Corpus Christi received some pretty heavy rains, including Refugio and Aransas County, with locations reporting between 5 and 7 inches of rainfall, and the eastern portions of Nueces and San Patricio County had between 4 and a half and 6 inches of rain, but uh, 20 miles or so inland, amounts tapered off pretty quickly. The lowest rainfall amounts occurred in Jim Wells and Brooks County, where some locations received only around a half an inch during the two-day period. Those areas were in extreme drought, and they certainly could have used those heavier amounts that occurred along the coast. Now, dryland farmers in the western portions of the coastal bend had already been seeing some signs of serious drought stress prior to these rains, and they know that recent rains of an inch or so will only be a short-term relief and that additional significant rains will be needed in their part of the coastal bend during the next week or 10 days to avoid some major production losses. And we'd like to take a moment to remind uh, coastal bend farmers and ranchers about a special educational program on carbon farming in Texas. It's being hosted by Texas AgriLife Extension Agent Jason Ott on Tuesday, May the 11th in Robstown. It'll be held from 8.30 to 2 p.m., and individuals can participate in person or online, but uh, in-person seating is limited, and there will be registration required for this event. So if you're interested in learning more about the ins and outs of carbon farming, you're encouraged to contact the Nueces County AgriLife Extension Office before May 10th and make your reservations to participate. And we hope that conditions continue to improve across Texas for our farmers and ranchers here during May and June. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today. There's a new resource for those who are interested in archery or bow hunting. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And dehorning calves is a necessary procedure in the cattle industry, but there are some ways to make the process less stressful. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Unless you're fortunate enough to have an all-polled herd, you'll have to dehorn some calves from time to time in the cattle business. It's a necessary procedure, but there are some ways to make it less stressful and yield better results. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. Pain management when dehorning has been shown to reduce stress in calves promote comfort, and in some cases increase weight gain and growth compared to animals dehorned without pain medication. Dr. Hans Coetzee from Kansas State indicated on an AABP podcast that dehorning is one of the major areas of consumer concern relative to the perceived humane treatment of cattle. Dr. Coetzee indicates that the best option with dehorning is to use pole genetics so animals do not have horns at all and dehorning is unnecessary. However, until that occurs, dehorning in the first week of life before the horn bud attaches to the underlying bone makes the procedure much less painful, which makes the procedure actually disbudding rather than dehorning. Using handling techniques, including proper restraint, can reduce stress and pain, and administering pain medication prior to the procedure really helps. Also, pain medication can be dispensed for a few days to help with pain. Although there are not a lot of options for pain management in calves, Lidocaine can be very helpful when injected at the base of the horn and blocks or numbs the nerve to the area. Also, meloxicam is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug that can be given as a tablet orally in the calf's milk on the day of the procedure. Although cost is always a concern in food animal medicine, a dose of meloxicam only costs about 20 cents per calf per day, so it is very affordable. Your veterinarian can train you to perform their local nerve block or numbing injection, which greatly decreases pain and is also inexpensive. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new resource for those interested in archery or bow hunting. Jessica Domel explains in today's Wildlife Report. If you are interested in learning how to use a bow, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has added a new tool to help. It is called Bow Hunter by Fall, and it's a series of e-newsletters designed to help archers get ready for the field this fall. Rob Owen, TPWD's Outreach and Recruitment Manager, says there will be seven editions of the newsletter between now and the fall. It's a little bit of everything. It includes some staff insights as well as partner insights. You know, we have a great connection with the Archery Trade Association and their partners at bowhunting360.com. Staff experience from the field. The monthly and bi-monthly e-newsletters will include videos and tips to help archers travel from behind the keyboard to behind the bow. 
The newsletters will provide a wealth of information, including how to take and pass hunter education, the gear you'll need, how to find a mentor, understanding licensing requirements, and more. The barriers to bow hunting, we understand them. It's access to lands and intimidation and time. And I think bow hunter by fall helps knock down some of those barriers. There are public lands out there accessible to, to be hunted by Texans. We recognize that not everybody has the ranch out there to get out onto. So there are public lands out there and Bow Hunter by Fall, one of the additions helps people understand that process to finding a public lands suitable to their hunting desires. Intimidation, there's there's plenty of steps to be ready for the field with, with a bow in your hand. So if we can just make a checklist for you and help knock down those barriers, great. You can sign up for the e-newsletter on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Click on the Education tab and then Archery. There will be a link on the left-hand side of the page that says Community Archery. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The corn market has been playing havoc with the cattle market here recently, but on Tuesday we actually saw corn and cattle prices both rise. We'll take a closer look at Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Tuesday was one of those unusual days where we actually saw gains in the corn market and gains in the cattle market. Of course, we did have one contract that was lower, but overall, mostly higher close for the cattle complex. We'll start with live cattle. June live cattle up 40 cents, 118.62. The August up $1.70, 122.05. October up $1.60, 12615. About the only lower contract we see is the nearby May feeder cattle. It was down 12 cents, 135.32. August feeders up 15 at 148.85. September feeder cattle up 40 cents, 150.47. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet on Tuesday, no sales to report. Asking prices in the south reported at 120. Boxed beef prices continue to climb. Choice up 284 at 311.95. Select up 259 at 296.35. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. They sold cattle in Beeville on Friday. At Beeville Livestock, Rodney Butler and his family own that auction and operate it really well. Rodney, how'd the sale go this week? We had 369 head of cattle, two horses, and 22 sheep and goats. Your two to 300 pound steers, $1.18 to $1.60. Heifers, $1.17 to $1.29. Your 300 to 400 pound steers, $1.36 to $1.59. Heifers, $1.15 to $1.36. Your 400 to 500 pound 
steers were $1.17 to $1.52. Heifers, $1.17 to $1.32. 500, 600 pound steers, $1.26 to $1.40. Heifers, $1.12 to $1.29. Your 600, 700 pound steers, $94 to $1.17. Heifers, $1.03 to $1.22. And your 700 to 800 pound steers, $94 to $1.00. And heifers were $73 to $85. Packer cows are pretty steady. They brought anywhere from $32 to $65. Bulls brought from $60 to $79. Young stocker cows brought anywhere from $50 to $68. Bread cows brought from $450 to $875. And our pairs, we had this Friday, were eight and a quarter to eleven ten, sir. Good. What do you know for this next week, Rodney? I know a few cattle coming this next week. I know a set of Charlotte kids coming and a set of cows coming, but that's about all. It's gonna be it's gonna be slow for a little while. Tell everybody how to contact you for the Friday sale in Beeville. Yeah, if I can help you market your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727 or you can call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, it looks to me like that's all the time they're going to give us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for our program, Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Thanks so much to Rodney Butler from Beaver Livestock Sales every Friday. Texas farming and ranching neighbors, good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs close lower. May hogs down 42 cents, 111.47. The June down 92 cents at 111.17. Class 3 milk was higher. May milk up 3 cents, 18.89 a hundred. June milk up 30 cents at 19.12. The cotton market closed lower as traders evened up their positions heading into USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report on Wednesday morning. We closed with the October contract down 100 points, 86.43. December cotton down 57 at 85.53. We saw a turnaround Tuesday in the grain markets. We had a big drop on Monday. We regained some of that on Tuesday with the corn market and the wheat market both finishing higher. We'll start with corn. May corn up 11 and a half, 7.59 and a half. September corn up six cents at 6.35 a bushel. The wheat market higher for both hard and soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat up seven, seven ten and a half. July Chicago wheat up eleven and a quarter, seven forty one and three quarters. In the energy markets, June natural gas was up two cents, two ninety five. June crude oil up fifty one at sixty five forty three a barrel. The financial markets lower with the Dow down four hundred seventy three points. 34,269. The Nasdaq down 12 at 13,389. The S&P 500 down 36 at 4,152. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and I'll see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.